Good morning, Faith Fellowship. Good morning. Welcome back to the balcony. Um, now, it's just going to be kind of for a short time, so don't get too comfortable, okay? <laughs> but <laughs> but, that, um, but enjoy it while we are up here. Now, if you have your Bible, be turning to Acts chapter 15. We'll finish up here today. And what we've kind of been looking at over this whole time, really, uh, is that... Um, Paul and Barnabas, and really, you know, we could add Peter and James. So the churches at both Antioch in Syria and in Jerusalem are all kind of in this space and place where they're saying, okay, we want to be led of the spirit in order to clarify the terms of salvation. Okay. And that's kind of the viewpoint that these individuals have. That is the kind of guiding light of this chapter. It's important because, as we have said before, it highlights something really critical is that the Lord has now opened the door of faith to the Gentiles officially. And the other thing that is really critical to that is that the church of Jerusalem needs to have a, a position that says, and we are in agreement with God on that. And we're not going to hang you up with a lot of terms and conditions that somehow could create any drama between us culturally. Right. And so. This is this matter is being resolved. This, I would say, in terms of like a, a church historical moment, would be something of great, like great victory. It's not something that completely just resolved all the issues between Jews and Gentiles. We still, like we said, even to this day, there is still some hangups, you know, racially, culturally, all of those things. But essentially, just that there is documentation from God's word that we can see that this this has happened is a huge step in the right direction, right? And has really opened the door. We, I mean, we're enjoying the fruit of that in our church. <laughs> you know, just that this door of faith has been opened unto us, right? And so it's a big deal that these things are happening. I, I want to remind you of something. Um, let's see. Oh, yeah. In Ephesians, it says, for by grace are you saved through faith. And not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast, for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. This is the central idea of that. Nobody will get to lay claim somehow to the gospel and say, well, Lord, I did all this, and I hula hooped also while sharing the gospel, so you got to let me in. <laughs> no. <laughs> you know. If you got saved, you got saved. And you hula hoop bonus, <laughs> right? <laughs> that's great, because that's very difficult to do anyways. <laughs> but I wanted to ask you a question. Just as a group, have you guys, I know we have a lot of married people, and we have people who have e at least been in relationships, and you have just relationships of loved ones. But have you ever been in a situation where there is this great joy, this anticipation for something? You got an event planned, you're going somewhere, you're on your way, and you're, you're excited. You're excited to, to be en route. You're excited for what it is that you're going to do when you get there. And then one of you says something, and it just changes the vibe of the whole thing. In a bad way. In a bad way. Because you were already excited. You, and you know what? For the married couples, 
I don't know why it is. Church is like the perfect place for that. To, I'm in route to church, and then all of a sudden that attitude is not right. You need to sit in the car before you open them doors, and you and the Lord sort this out. The reason I bring this up to you is with all the victory that is taking place in this chapter, this monumental thing, this, this thing that caused an argument in, in one city and then had two guys, well, a team of individuals travel to Jerusalem and figure out what the answer was. And man, and then they get the answer and the answer is awesome. And Peter and James sign off on it. And everybody's like, man, this is going to be good. And then the message gets back to the people even. And they're consoled by it. And they're thrilled. And then verse 36 through 41 happens. And there's a split of, of guys that are really Batman, Batman and Superman, not Batman and Robin. Batman and Superman. I mean, you take your pick on who you'd want to be led by, but either Barnabas or, or Paul, either one would be worthy to follow. And so the thing that I kind of want in your mind is like, why did God put that there? He could have glossed over it because if we just keep looking at the end of it, and we'll read it here in a moment, if you keep looking, ministry still happens. I want to kind of give you an answer just up front before we even kind of just dive into the rest of it. But ultimately, you have to understand how the Lord sees ministry. You will not stop it. Nothing will stop it. You got to get on board. Now, do we have disruptions? Absolutely. And those disruptions are the things that I kind of want to just focus on today because this situation is avoidable. This chapter could have ended better, even better, had these guys just thought to back down from their position. And so, you know how it is when you have that anticipation, you're going to dinner, you're coming to church. And sometimes it's just hard to get over that thing that was said. It's just hard for us to just put it aside. And then you're faking it when you finally see the waiter or whoever at church is going to give you a hug at MBT, you know, somebody's going to greet you and you're like, I am not feeling my spouse right now, but I'm going to hug you. <laughs> or I choke them, right? <laughs> and so it's just one of those things like, it's not a disqualifier. You know, I think a little bit, a lot of times that sometimes we, we kind of look at things are super black and white and where doctrine falls into place, absolutely. But the Lord kind of left uh, Paul, a guy I would categorize as thorny. I think he likes to argue. I think he's a difficult guy to probably be around. We know the testimony of what he was like as a Pharisee. And I don't think what he wrote in Philippians about comfort could not happen without the memory of this. Because he makes a misstep here. And so let's read the text. In verse 23, it says this. And they wrote letters by them after this manner. They're talking about the letter that was composed that involved Peter and Paul and Barnabas and James all basically saying, stating what had happened and they validated it. And now remember, James had put his seal of approval and said, hey, this hearken unto me. Let me tell you what, it, what time it is. These are the things, right? And so it goes on to say, 
And they wrote letters by them after this manner. The apostles and elders and brethren send greeting unto the brethren, which are of the Gentiles in Antioch and Syria and Sicilia. You got to understand how beautiful it is that it says brethren. That would be super challenging for the typical Jewish individual to call them Gentiles brethren. What are we doing? We just lowered the, the bar here, right? No, he's sending a message and it's super important. Verse 24, for as much as we have heard that certain which went out from us have troubled you with words, subverting your soul, saying you must be circumcised and keep the law to whom we gave no such commandment. I love that one. I mean, that just, we're we just going to throw this completely out. Verse 25, it seemed good unto us, and praise the Lord, being assembled with one accord to send chosen men unto you with our beloved Barnabas and Paul men that have hazarded their lives for the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. We have sent therefore Judas and Silas who shall also tell you the same things by mouth. For it seemed good to the Holy Ghost and to us to lay upon you no greater burden than these necessary things that you abstain from meats offered to idols and from the blood and from things strangled and from fornication from which if you keep yourselves, you should do well, fare you well. Then it says, verse 30, so when they were dismissed, they came to Antioch, and when they had gathered the multitude together, they delivered the epistle, which when they had read, they rejoiced for the consolation. And Judas and Silas, being prophets, also themselves exhorted the brethren with many words and confirmed them. And after they had tarried their space, they were let go in peace from the brethren, uh, from the brethren unto the apostles. Notwithstanding, it pleased Silas to abide there still. Paul and Barnabas continued in Antioch, teaching and preaching the word of the Lord with many others also. And some days after Paul said unto Barnabas, let us go again and visit our brethren in every city where we have preached the word of the Lord and see how they do. And Barnabas determined to take with them John, whose surname was Mark, verse 38. But Paul thought not good, not, thought not good to take him with them who departed from them from Pamphylia and went not with them to the work. And the contention was so sharp between them that they departed asunder one from the other. And so Barnabas took Mark and sailed unto Cyprus. And Paul chose Silas and departed, being recommended by the brethren unto the grace of God. And he went through Syria and Sicilia, confirming the churches. And so you can see there, again, you can gloss over it, right? You could just keep reading that and not even pay any attention to it. But it is super important that verse 39 takes place. And so because the central idea is one of salvation, uh, there's some things, I didn't put this in your slides, but just in terms of the notes that uh, I want you to have. So just kind of what, how you want to see this is salvation is from God, right? Which is kind of that central argument. You see that in verse four, where essentially, what does it say there? And they, when, when they were come to Jerusalem, they were received of the church and the apostles and elders, and they declare all things that God had done with them. This wasn't anything that they had created, right? Like this is, this is settling an argument, and you'll see why I'm going to mention these things and what and the tie here. But salvation is from is from God. Then in verse seven, you see that salvation is for us all. And when they had been much disputing, Peter rose up and said to them, "Men and brethren, you know how that a good while ago, God made choice among us that the Gentiles by my mouth should hear the word of the gospel and believe. We know it's to the Jew first, but also, hey, you must add in to the Gentile as well. So all that's covering everybody." <laughs> right? And so it's for us all. 
We see then in 9 through 11 that salvation frees us from the law because it fulfills the law. And so this is like really an important aspect. And it says, I put no difference between us and them purifying their hearts by faith. Now, therefore, why tempt ye God to put a yoke upon the necks of the disciples, which neither our fathers nor we were able to bear? But we believe through the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, we shall be saved even as they. So you see the central idea of salvation is running rampant throughout. Okay, and then it goes on to say, salvation is peace for us in verses 30 and 31. And we read that just a, a minute ago, but just to remind you, it says, so when they were dismissed, they came to Antioch. When they had gathered the multitude together, they delivered the epistle, which when they read, they rejoiced for the consolation. This is like, this is bringing peace. I got this. I, I'm, I'm getting my head wrapped around it. And then the last thing, the effect of what it is that is happening, salvation is our cause and effect. You see that Paul and Barnabas go back to just make sure and check on those churches that are being established there. So here's the deal. If salvation is the thing that has run rampant through this chapter, it is the only reason, because of those things that we listed there, it is the only reason resolution came about. You have to, you have to understand that. Had this been something that man created, it would be no resolution. There would only be fighting. So now that begs to question something. Between 36 and 41, this is what happens when you take your eyes momentarily off the cross. That little statement that is being made between these two, now it's like I don't necessarily have an eye on the cross. I have a ha an eye on my agenda. What I want to do, how I feel about it. Who cares how you feel about it? I get the, the concern because both are right. The concern on Paul's part is like, man, this guy's a liability more than he is a benefit. Is he going to leave us again when the going gets tough? And I would imagine the son of consolation, which is the name that Barnabas means. So now we know how this guy is, is wired. He's probably a peaceful dude. That's probably why they work well together, because one is peaceful and the other is a little thorny. <laughs> right? And they can kind of work it out. See, I, taking our eyes off of the cross for that moment creates disruptions. For those of us that are saved by the blood of the lamb, it's not a disqualifier. It's just something that can be disruptive. It can cause a break in relationships. It can cause you to respond sometimes to whether it's bosses, to spouses, to church leadership, to authority over the land of this country. If you don't look at the cross properly, you are not going to respond properly. Your argument will change. The thing that becomes more valuable now is your rights. You see what I'm saying? That's why you can't lose sight of it. Why is God telling us all this victory around salvation? Because that's the only victory that exists. Everything else is a fraud. And so, Rashad, <laughs> I'm not advancing my slides. Hang on a second. Let's see. <laughs> He's like just shaking his head. I got you, bro. <laughs> Thank you. Can, can I just get in my zone here? Thanks, man. <laughs> okay. So listen, I, I, we got to be okay with the fact and give grace to one another, okay, that this is not a disqualifier. Did you notice that the Lord did not put either one of them in timeout? It's a thing that gets to be okay. 
and you, we know how this eventually will work out. We'll talk about that later, but I want you to just be reminded of something in terms of the Lord's position. Because we're saying this about the cross, let's understand the Lord's position just right out the gate. You're going to see that in 2 Peter 3, 9. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness, but here it is, but as long-suffering to usward, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. That is his viewpoint. That absolutely is his viewpoint. I'm sorry, I didn't have that in your notes there. There is a long suffering that just that the Lord has. This is why he doesn't, thankfully, because of Jesus, he doesn't just go, no, okay, you're, you're out, you're in, you're up, get out, you, nope. There's always an opportunity, really, for correction. So what, what does these kind of situations become? They become teaching moments. And really, like between husband and wife, there should be time for self-examination. Why is it that we have drama every time we go to have dinner or we come into church or whatever. Maybe I should just be quiet. Has anybody ever thought about that? No, because whatever I think I should say, <laughs> probably not <laughs> in most cases. This is something that I, to me, Guys, in order for this to be kind of like salvation is, is, is where victory holds, this has to be the heart of salvation is that we are long-suffering. It's a continuation of that. It's not just that what he did on the cross, okay, thank you, I'm done with that. Nope, man, I need that to even help me to make sure that I treat you right, that I talk to you right, that I respond to you right. It needs to be in the veil of salvation. Why? Because that was impossible. I should be in hell. When I consider the grace that I now have as a result of what was done on the cross, that I didn't have to get up there, and now I'm good with God, that should just soften me right on up. But for some of us, it's like, no, I'm still, I'm right, and I like being right, and I'm going to make sure you know that I'm right. Man, shut up, <laughs> right? Like, in its simplest form, just be quiet. Look, you need to know this as shepherds, parents, disciples, and stewards that God is not done with you when you mess up. He is long suffering, and now your mistakes become teaching moments. This is why this matters in here. We got parents abounding, we got disciples, we got shepherds, we have pastors, missionaries, future, present, all of that. If you don't get this now, if you start trying to do things with, um, some of the truth that you got on Sunday and even in your devotion, but you're not in a place where you're just so thankful for what happened at the cross. I'm telling you, you will handle it poorly. The devil knows how to drum up the stuff to drive you crazy. It started with you cussing out whoever cut you off when you was on your way to work. And then the boss you don't like is going to say something. And then the coworker that gets on your nerves is going to thump a, a stapler at you or something. And then now you fighting. And then you'd be Tuesday night talking about you need prayer for work and this issue. You have. <laughs> right? <laughs> I got, listen, this week for me, this, so the Lord's been pounding me on it because, man, this week was tough for me at work. My coworkers and I are in a, in a, a bit of a dispute between uh, our leadership and, um, and, well, and us as a group. And just what they're kind of doing with our pay. 
And so the, basically what it runs down to is our overtime, they're going to pay later because somebody was overpaid months ago. And so they shifted this directive like imme effective immediately. So that means there's no overtime money coming for Christmas, basically. So now I won't get it till the spring. My coworkers are hot. I mean, fuming. And so because I'm chair, what I've had to do is try to balance this, this dialogue between authority. So I, man, and one day I missed it, y'all. Cause I, one of my coworkers is, man, he's thorny. And I just had to tell him, your view of leadership and mine is not the same. And what, and what it turned into was an attack on him, and I could see it in his eyes. And he's kind of a gruff guy, and I love this guy, man. That's my guy. If I needed him, he would be there. But I didn't have the cross. I was not thinking about it. I wanted to prove that I was right and try to mask it right in righteousness. Nope. So what did I have to do? I had to apologize later. Amen. I hear your thoughts. I hear what you're saying. But if I'm the chair, let me take care of it. And they did. So this is what I'm saying. This is, this is, I'm, this is close to the chest. I don't, I don't like going there. I don't like that being an issue. That's not how I operate because, well, when I was a kid, rage, it's like the Hulk for real. That's why I probably use my favorite character because it's just, one to 10 in seconds, you know, and I have to be careful about that. that. That dude is still around, right? And so it's like, man, I could see that's exactly what happened. And uh, you start biting people's head off. Don't do that. Don't do that. And so, okay, I want you to understand something. There's something about, I think that um, it's kind of important. And let's look at and Acts 14. No, I'm sorry, 13. Because I, I want you to see, okay, so at the end of this chapter, at 15, we saw that they get sent out, but they're getting sent out separately, right? Okay, let, let, let me show you how they got sent out the first time. A little different. <laughs> Verse 1 of Acts 13. Now, therefore, uh, thou, now there were in the church that was at Antioch certain prophets and teachers as Barnabas and Simeon that was uh, called Niger and Lucius of Cyrene and Maanan, which had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch and Saul. And as they ministered to, to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Ghost said, oh, wait a minute, that terminology is a little different. The Holy Ghost said, separate me, Barnabas and Saul, for the work one two I have called them. Hmm. Did the Holy Ghost say anything about this little statement that got flown out there in Acts 15? Not at all. Then it goes on to say, uh, and when they had fasted and prayed and laid their hands on them, they sent them away. So they being sent forth by the Holy Ghost departed unto Seleucia, and from thence they sailed to Cyprus. Now let's go back at 15. <laughs> And all the way to the bottom. Verse 36. And some days after Paul said to Barnabas, let us go again, visit our brethren in every city where we have preached the word of the Lord and see how they do. Man, 
Holy Spirit, absolutely. Let's do that. Yeah, this is great. Led by the Holy Spirit, probably right there. It doesn't say it exactly. Because I think the Bible is trying to make sure you understand that there is a difference between how this is happening between these cats. And then we get to where it says, and Barnabas determined to take with John, whose surname was Mark, but Paul thought it not good to take with them who departed from them from Pamphylia and went with them to the work. And so listen, I, I think the answer here really is uh, this is just a small misstep of not walking in the spirit. It's kind of like Jericho and AI. There was great victory at Jericho. Huge. Doesn't make sense. We're going we gonna to get dressed and we're going to march around. Ain't nobody drawn no swords. And this is just going to work out. And then what happens? It's kind of like I could see Joshua didn't even really look up. His general show up. Hey, man, so-and-so AI. So we go to, yeah, yeah, take about 3,000 guys with you. And then 3,000 end up messed up. Something little, little details. With great victory, sometimes you just miss it. And that's the thing is like, we gotta be walking circumspectly because I'm telling you, man, the devil is always trying to figure out ways to just break unity. In Romans 8.31, it says something very interesting. It says, what shall we say to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? And I mentioned that because, listen, I want to walk in the spirit because it guarantees me peace with God and ultimately with all men. If I'm good with him, I'm good with everybody. And I don't have to worry about what is going to happen or what's going to be said. I just need to make sure that I'm running it through that filter first and foremost. And so we got to go to the spot of pretty much the canon description for what the fruit of the spirit is in Galatians 5, 22 through 26. And that's where we're going to kind of park at for a little bit. You guys know it. It says this, but the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, long suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. And I love this against such, there is no law. You cannot take away from that whatsoever. I don't care what you come up with. You could not write something better. This is it. And then in verse 24, it says, and they that are Christ have crucified the flesh with the affections and lust. And if we live in the spirit, let us also walk in the spirit. Let us not be desirous of vainglory, provoking one another, envying one another. And so what disrupts the walk? Vainglory, provoking, and envying. These are the things that are disruptive to our walk. These are the missteps that take place that sometimes, well, we say things and we respond in ways that we probably shouldn't have. Remember, it's like when I start seeing my own personal rights is more valuable than even yours, my view is off. I have to prefer you. I have to see you properly. I have to see you through the lens that Jesus Christ has, who is, who's, we said that he was guilty. And then here's the thing, he didn't answer back. No God was found in his mouth. He just got up there. That's, the, that's what got you saved. That's how you respond. And so again, man, Paul, I cannot wait to meet him. Him and Moses, these guys I love to death. I've learned so much from him. So it's not to demonize him, it's just to simply say he is not uh, also free 
from having to have examination over his life. The Lord recorded it on purpose. Why? So that you could learn the same thing. Be careful. Walking in the spirit is not just some random thing. It's a choice. Do you understand that it says, if we live? See, we just had our second Timothy study, and I don't know if y'all in the same spot that we are, but Marcus had brought up a point about there is this thing, these gifts that are coming, and it says, if a man, that means that man has a choice not to. If a man, you have a choice. Man, don't listen. You don't have to answer your anger. You don't owe your flesh anything, as Pastor Kenny always says. What disrupts the walk? Vainglory, provoking, and envying. And so this leads us to our first key point. Whatever authority you have, you have it because God gave it to you. Whatever authority you have, you have it because God gave it to you. You ain't nobody. <laughs> I love you. You somebody to me. <laughs> but in the grand scheme of things, to somehow feel like you are owed something, don't nobody owe you nothing. <laughs> Man, 1 Corinthians 3, 7, so then neither is he that planteth anything, neither he that watereth, but God that giveth, that, that giveth the increase. God places us where we are, not for our glory, but for his. Parents, that's how I want you to start seeing your parenting to not be frustrated with the situation that you have with them. They're in a point of a moment of growth. We got babies all the way to teenagers to some that are on the cusp of adulthood. You have to understand that it is a privilege for you to be a parent. We prayed to wipe the tears from many couples lives that, that couldn't have them for years. And now we get to a point sometimes where it's like, I'm sick of you, get out, <laughs> right? Like, it's the same with discipleship. It's the same when we shepherd, where you can shepherd people kind of grumbling about it. Like, if I really approach you like that, you wouldn't be like, Dale doesn't love me. He is upset with me. No, listen, man, it's a privilege that I get to do this. And when you call and when you email and you have need and you try to grab a moment, you want to grab a coffee, grab a dinner, Listen, I love that. I'm only in this spot because God said for me to be. I, don't, I didn't earn it. I don't deserve it. So what does that do? That just humbles me right out the gate. If you're going to shepherd properly, if you're going to be a good parent, if you're going to be a good disciple maker, if you're going to be a good pastor, missionary, you have to understand that. You have to get that. It is paramount and critical. The, the position I would imagine that's probably difficult for Paul is, this guy is headstrong for the ministry. But listen, not at the expense that you have sharp words with your brother. Minister to him, Paul. <laughs> Minister to him. And just say, man, you know what? I trust you. Let's take him. Or Barnabas. Man, honor Paul and say, you know what? You're right. We'll just go. We'll leave John Mark. At some point, either one of them could have backed down, but no, they dug their heels in. Man, listen, I'm not, it, 
when I dug my heels in this week, it only led me to go to my office and go, oh, man. I'm right, <laughs> but who cares? And the one thing that I wanted to communicate to those guys this week was, I value you more than this situation. You know what I'm saying? Can you communicate that to your kids? Yes, you're right, mom and dad. You are absolutely right. But if they don't feel the love, and every time they, they, you come home, and man, we have seen this, unfortunately. I'm not even going to say who, but Serena and I have seen this and witnessed it. I've watched a little girl who was thrilled to see her mother, and because she didn't have her coat hung up, the first thing mom did when she said when she walked through the door is, why didn't your coat hung up? And it just, it just killed the daughter. She just moved over. Now what's the conversation? You going to ask them about their day now? You killed it. This is not a small matter. And this is why I believe, honestly, that Paul wrote the stuff he did later on. Because he knew, ah, ah, shouldn't have said that. Should have maybe gone about it that way. Our second key point is this. How you resolve conflict reveals who you prefer. How you resolve conflict reveals who you prefer. Listen, if the, if the end of the conversation is fine, I'm done talking about it. Well, you prefer you. But if your if your parting thought is, you know what, um, hey, listen, we got our wires crossed. That is, that's not that's not what I was trying to say. Sorry. Let's let's try to let's try to work through this. Okay. Then what is that? You are now preferring them. Well, for a parent, I'm <laughs> my I've never heard my parents say sorry for nothing. <laughs> but but you know where I have heard it is here. At church, disciples to disciplers, back and forth there, vice versa, pastors. I've seen it modeled here. Why? Because the word of God, there's a view of the cross here. You see what I'm saying? Why you can't lose sight of that? If I lose sight of that, listen, it's going to be, I'm right. I'm the boss. That's when you start those kind of statements. Because I said so. Because I said so. Boy, if the Lord said because I said so, it'd be rough. <laughs> you know? I mean, but Lord, I, I can't do anything about my salvation. Well, tough. Sorry. Because I said so, you're going to hell. Come on, man. Lighten up. Lighten up. Philippians 2.1. Here it is. <laughs> the one who I am shedding a light on beautifully written two one through three it says if there be therefore any consolation in christ <laughs> isn't that funny i'm just in light of that statement and the contention was so sharp and then you read that if there's any consolation in christ right just the tone because you know what i mean brother that's a you looked in the mirror on that that's a you got to look in the mirror to write something beautiful like that and we're not even done what's the rest of it say it says, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the spirit, if any bowels and mercies fulfill ye my joy, that ye be like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind. And then get this, 
let nothing be done through strife or vainglory. But in lowliness of mind, let each esteem other better than themselves. Lesson learned. The Lord says, write that down. That's scripture. And so listen, that's a, so you don't have to feel bad about your parenting, your discipling, your shepherding, your stewardship. I'm just saying, take these, take these notes and really evaluate where it is and, and how you're saying what you're saying. And are, are people crushed by you or do, are they edified? You want the, you want the latter. Key point number three, roles of responsibility involve calling others to peace. Every one of these that I mentioned, steward, parent, discipler, shepherd, you guys know what the vision of this class is. But listen, I want you to absolutely keep one thing as a priority in your mind. Roles of responsibility involve calling others to peace. How do we know that? Ephesians 6, 4. And ye fathers, provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. See, it's easy to tell them to obey, but how do you not provoke them? Some of you have different cases. Tough kids, you know, if you got three or four or whatever, they're not all the same. And you got you to gotta approach them differently. So how do you get their heart? The Lord has given you the, the ability and the capacity to be able to be that unique that you can just switch it up. Okay, I need to be like this for you. And for you, I need to be like this. How do you think it is? I got 40 of y'all. I can't just blanket apply some approach. Some of you, I can be very direct and say, hey, listen, stop this. That's sin. It's stupid. Get out of my office. And you'd be like, thank you. I love you. See you. If I said that to some of you, you'd be like, oh, my God. Then you'd be telling on me to James and Sam and all. And then James, you know, he'll be like, Brother Dale, come on, man. What are you doing? Right? So I got to switch it up. And that's not gender. I mean, some ladies can handle difficult things. Serene is pretty tough. I mean, she, you know, is a pipe fitter. Our marriage, there's probably things I got in the way with. She wanted to throw a brick at my head, but... <laughs> In Jesus' name, she did. <laughs> and I just try to soften it, though, right? Because sometimes the Holy Spirit, when you release it, sometimes the Holy Spirit says, I, 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 I didn't tell you to say that. You're like, dang. Hey, you know what I just said a minute? I'm sorry. So just be swift to change and correct. Colossians 3.21, listen to this. It says something a little different that I absolutely, as we shepherd, as we kind of put our hands to the plow in that way of having these roles of authority. It says, fathers provoke not your children to anger, lest they be what? Discouraged. Oh, now I didn't edify you. And you're discouraged. And you're a failure to launch individual, struggling, trying to find your way in society because I discouraged you. <sighs> Listen. That's, this is why we're not uh, afraid of any person's success in this place. If any of the men that I minister to get to higher heights than I have gotten to, praise the Lord. That is, that is perfect. That's what, that's what my heart is. So that means I got to do all of this work on the backside and make sure that I don't discourage, but that I encourage. And yes, does sometimes encourage mean warn. 
Yes. Does it sometimes mean to call out what is sin? Absolutely. But not from the standpoint of just always making you feel like you're under my thumb. You're not under my thumb. You're under the hand of God. And I trust the Holy Spirit more than I trust any of you. <laughs> Let me just say that. So I'm trying to fire that Holy Spirit in you up. Stoke that flame. Put some, some logs on the fire there that they may recover themselves. That's why it says it, because I can't make any of you do anything. And just because you're the parent, I know it feels like you can make them do, you know you cannot. You cannot. And so listen, hear me when I'm saying this. Call others to a place of peace. And so listen, be of good cheer. How this worked out, 2 Timothy 4, 11. Only Luke is with me. Take Mark and bring him with thee, for he is profitable for me to the ministry. This gets resolved later. And everything is good between Paul and John Mark. But listen, again, it doesn't, it doesn't matter. It still was a thing that could have been avoided. And so my conclusion is this. Not walking in the spirit is the beginning of conflict. The beginning of conflict. But if you want to resolve conflicts, we simply have to look back at the cross. Remember the long suffering, how much the Lord puts up with you and let that bring you to your knees. And so your prayer this, this week, as I kind of, you know, wrap up here and call you to a place of invitation, honestly, is just a self-examination prayer. Lord, do I, do I Lord over what you have given me? Man, if so, let the Lord tell you that. And then you just settle that between you and him. Okay, I love you. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, uh, thank you uh, so much just um, for the things that I had to learn, even a difficult way. And Lord, I pray even just in vulnerability, just thinking back on it, Lord, uh, forgive me for just the misstep of that this week. And <clears throat> Lord, our situation still isn't resolved, but Lord, there's peace amongst my colleagues. And so Lord, I pray just for peace in our homes, Lord, I pray that um, we can avoid these things, these disruptions. Lord, we understand from your word that these things don't disqualify. Um, but Lord, they do happen and uh, they are teaching moments. And so, Lord, allow us to get the heart of those that we shepherd, that we parent, that we disciple, um, that we lead. Lord, wherever that may be in our families, Lord, we have a holiday coming up where there might just be some times that whatever that sentence is, we do not have to answer it. And so, Father, I just pray that as we gather that, Lord, we do not bring shame to your name this week, that, Lord, we would start doing that, that we would hug our children a little tighter, that we just make sure that, that people know we love them, we prefer them over ourselves. Lord, you have us. I don't have to make sure that I'm, I'm good because you said I'm good. And so, Lord, help us to remember that. Lord, help us to faithfully walk in the spirit. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.